It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. It's been a while, um, much like the world around us. Both of your co-hosts have been afflicted with one illness or another. Isn't that right, John Fisher? That is correct, Dan Roselle. I am coming off the flu, and I believe you are as well. Yeah, it's something like a cold, which caused me to miss the Devils' triumph against the Montreal Canadiens on Sunday. I was going to go to that game, and unfortunately, I could not attend. So um, I appreciate my colleagues for getting me a military appreciation hat all the same. But anyway, it's been a while since our last episode, so we've got quite a few games to catch up on, some minor goings on in the Devil's world, and some returns from players that have been out for a good long while, as we record tonight on the night that the Devils take on the Boston Bruins. And the Devils enter this stretch, you know, when we last recorded, they had lost all three games on their Western Canada road trip. And we were going into that recording the night of the Ranger game where we expected the worst, but honestly, we got, it wasn't the best, but we got something great anyway. Oh yeah. I mean, to be fair, the first period of this game, let the record show was absolutely dismal. Mm -hmm. It looked a lot like more of the same from the, you know, the previous three games, but then a glorious thing happened, Dan. Mm -hmm. Jesper Bratt found Ryan Graves. Glorious thing. Seriously. And he found Ryan Graves trailing into the zone and he took a shot and, and, and live, I thought Thomas Tatar uh, jammed it in, but it turned out that the puck trickled in on its own. Mm-hmm. And that was the first goal against Igor Shesterkin. And then there were four more to come in that second period. And it was glorious. It was delicious. It was like taking a tiramisu and pouring extra chocolate on top of it, Dan. That was easily the worst we've seen Shesterkin maybe in the last couple of months. Uh, that was just a rare, rare bad game from him. And Georgiev was, or Georgiev was not much better. He no. 
you know, he still was a sieve out there. And while I would have liked the Devils not to give up four goals in that game, winning against the Rangers who are having the season of their collective lives uh, out of nowhere this year, that was still very, very satisfying. Um, oh yeah. And, and there's happen. so much. Yeah. And just to briefly go over that wonderful second period again, mm-hmm. the devils were down two nothing going into that period. And the first five minutes of that period was all New York. So me being the devil's fan and you being a devil's fan sitting at home, we're probably going, Oh dear, this is going to get worse before it gets better. But then, as I mentioned, Graves scored less than a minute, a little over a minute later, PK Subban scores a slapper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now, two to two Dawson Mercer finishes, you know, puts home a rebound created by a Graves shot. And then less than a minute after that, Damon Severson hits a dime to find Thomas Tatar one touches it past Shesterkin. And then just when you think it's all said and done, Sharon Govich, who by the way, was one of the worst devils at the beginning of the game, uh, hammers in a shot off the post and past Shesterkin. It's five to two, New Jersey, mm-hmm. every blue clad fan at the rock, was stunned into silence. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. I was loving it. You were loving it. The people who matter were loving it. And even though Ryan Strom scored early in the third period to put a little doubt in there, the big deal dropped a double in the third period. And and with the last goal being a subsequent scrubbery of Ryan Lindgren, Ryan Greaves, and Ryan Alexander Georgiev. I'm sorry, his name is now Ryan Dan. It's it was, now. you know what? That's fine. I'm, I can live with that. But he scored his second goal as the first one was being announced, which is, oh, yeah. Oh, we love that. We absolutely oh, love yeah. that. Yeah. It, it was three quick fire doubles in this game for the Devils, and it just blew away the fraudulent team that plays at Madison Square Garden. I'm telling you, Dan, this is a team wired to lose in the first round. You say this, but then over the next couple of games, they really won some decent games, and I'm very, I'm starting to get worried. Well, Dan, let's move on with the Devils here because this is yeah. yeah, yeah. So listen, one of the one of the comments or several of the comments uh, after the win over their our hated rivals uh, stated that I will happily take losses in the next few games Uh just for this win. And whether, whether you call them the hockey gods, Lady Luck, Fate, the Invisible Hand, uh, they all collectively said bet. And the then next two weren't just Toronto. losses, John. They weren't just losses. They oh, were no. like coin flip, self-sabotaging, typical of what we've seen all year, the mistakes that they made. I think Toronto was especially brutal considering oh, the yeah. situation in that game. Washington is Washington, the Devils for some reason have just forgotten what it's like to actually play against this team, but I don't know. Well, they played a good game and still lost. That's how it goes against Washington usually for them, but against the Maple Leafs, I mean, the devils were playing a great, great road game. They had a two, one lead going into the third period. They had a two, one lead until incredibly late in the game. And then as if to spite every single Devils fan, well, first of all, going into this moment, the Devils had been, what, 0 for 4, 0 for 5 on the power play up until then? Oh, Dan, it's actually worse than that. They already oh, gave up a shorthanded God. goal to Igor Mikheyev, who, oh, by that's the way, right. was the guy who scored the uh, game winner that made Damon Severson look like a total uh, putz out there. Last um, time. Yeah, last time, back in February, or sorry, the end of January. The, the February game, we don't talk about that. That was the 7-1 loss. Uh, but yeah, you know, the Devils' power play was, um, they actually were 1-4-3 uh, going up to the moment of, in question here because Damon C- opened up the scoring with a power play goal. 
Okay. So, so Dan, it, the power play is effectively even, <clears throat> having scored a goal and gave up a goal. They get Mikiev on a four-minute double minor with eight am... minutes and change to go in the game. At Ken Danico 100% willed this into existence. I will go down and say that Ken Danico, the second that the power play was announced, he said, oh, they got to be careful here. Because on every power play, even though they had only broken even, they gave up a lot of opportunities. There were a oh, lot yeah. of breakaways. And um, who was in net that day? Was it Gillis? or No, nope, it, it was Nico it was, Dawes. So Dawes, to his credit, he did what he could on all those breakaways. He really, really yeah. did. And uh, away from the rock, really, that guy just, the team has been, first of all, horrendous. Uh, their road record is truly, truly awful. But oh, it yeah. seems like this type of game happens so much more frequently on the road for them. This is something that you take a four-minute power play, you're supposed to ice the game at that point, not give up another shorthanded goal. Like Danico said it immediately, and I thought, oh, as soon as he said it, it's 100% happening, and it did. And not and only worse that, than that, Dan, it they wasn't still right couldn't away. pull a point out. <laughs> no, they couldn't. Like this, hap- this, power, this shorthanded goal, the first time the Devils have given up two shorthanded goals in the game. For the second time this season, a shorthanded goal decided the game against Toronto in Toronto. Oh. Uh, in this case, it's Pierre Engvall. And in this particular case, um, this was a zone entry where the Devils gain, technically gained the zone. So every analytics person, every stat person would say, check, success. Not realizing that the Devils never really lost control quickly. One bad decision to drop past Severson is on an island. Hughes is in the, in the right place. And, and Engvall just leads a two-on-one, takes it himself and makes it. Oh, I'm sorry. I left out Dougie Hamilton deciding to do a snow angel on this two-on-one, almost trying to top Severson's uh, nonsense from the last time a shorthanded opportunity happened in Toronto back in January 31st. And there's your game. And yeah, this was otherwise a winnable game against a quality opponent coming off a big win over your hated rival it would have been fantastic to get a result on the road something the devils have not done since february 24th in pittsburgh and they lost that game three to two the engvall goal was literally the game winning goal fire fire mark recce please (laughs) needs to go it's it's so that is such a fire me game it's unbelievable to even talk about him still being part of this. I, I oh, wasn't yeah. really like, like I was on the train of, yeah, let's fire him. Now I'm, how is he not gone already? Yeah. Because it's reached the point. I, it was claw your eyes out worthy in terms of seeing that power play that game. The goal they scored was like pure fortune. Yeah. Which is pretty much how a lot of the power play goals have been for the Devils this season. Because um, look at their shooting percentage, even when it was a good power play, good in quotes. It was good for February. That's pretty much all you have. Their numbers in January were inflated by hot shooting. March, they're, you know, again, there's a game tonight in Boston. So for all I know, you know, they're going to go three for three, three, and everyone's going to say, Mark Rick, he's a genius. How dare you want to fire this man? And I will say, no, the numbers still say fire this man. Please fire him immediately. Please. Uh, but, th- but this month in March, the Devils are eight for 43 going into the Boston game. Mm-hmm. Eight. They have given up three shorthanded goals so far. And uh, it's entirely possible they could give up a fourth just to, you know, s- you know, just add another uh, point of enragement. You already know, you know that Marshawn's scoring shorthanded tonight, right? 
it, it could be anybody at this point, Dan. I, I yeah, know. yeah, but it's going to be him because it's always him. Well, the fact of the matter is, you know who else is always on the score sheet against the Devils when they play against them? Uh, it's Alex Ovechkin. The Putinist, the Putin team leader himself. Yes, mm-hmm. he actually formed a social media group to uh, honor Mr. Putin years ago. Because this yep. is not just a guy who took a picture with the uh, with the tyrant. Oh, no, he is in deep with this man. But don't mention that, Dan. Apparently, it's inappropriate to mention that this man is standing with a killer. But oh. hey, but hey, but hey. It's not, on the ice, all that stuff doesn't matter. Morals don't matter. But this man made the difference because he scored the second of two backdoor goals in the third period mm-hmm. and saw a 2-1 Devils lead turn into a 4-2 deficit and a Jesper Bratt put back at, you know, in the, within the final minute, made it 4-3. So that guess what? Mr. Ovechkin can now claim another GWG over mm-hmm. the New Jersey Devils. Okay. Well, I mean, that game, again, it was a summation against an opponent that has been frustrating as of late as of Mm -hmm. i don't know the last decade for the devils and you know toronto this year the two losses were excruciating because they're both shorthanded goals against for game-winning goals but i mean this loss against washington didn't even phase me because they've lost this type of game against washington continuously over the last five years they there lost been... this game they lost this type of game almost like how they lost it in edmonton you know yes. they're up 2-1 early in the third and whoop it now is four to two them yeah it was it's just the floodgates open at a certain point and there's there's not much that's to be done and it's not good it's just mistake after mistake it's just they get in their own heads they're it is plain to see that unlike the last couple of years i'd say there's a significant amount of talent and potential there now but what is still there are the nerves the lack of awareness the the boneheaded mistakes are still very much there it's something where okay we've accrued the talent now we have to have the people who can bring out the best in it instead of the worst mark recce so (laughs) we need to find a way to bring this talent to its forefront and also again most of these guys are pretty young. They're going to take some seasoning still in the league to um, really hit their full stride. Jack Hughes is right. 20 years old and he's doing this. So imagine right. when he's at his physical peak. But that all being said, this is the kind of game, the game against Toronto. When you want to compete for championships, you need to hold on to games like that. I'm saying even if you give up the tying goal, you have to get something out of that if you're going to be in these playoff races against what looks to be a very competitive field of eight in the Eastern Conference. Not only that, but, you know, in the Washington game, the guys who got, you know, exposed aren't necessarily just the young guys. Like Ryan Graves got beaten and made to look silly on the Connor McMichael goal that uh, tied up the game early, early mm-hmm. on. Ditto Jonas Siegenthaler, who, yeah, he's not super experienced, but he's also 24. He's on the higher end of the quote unquote young scale. Um, you know, likewise, Dougie Hamilton, you know, you know, Nicholas Backstrom, you know, the Devils are unable to get his clearance, get it, get it out there. And Nicholas Backstrom scores a goal. Everybody throws apples, rubber apples out of the ice because they were celebrating his 1000th point. He has lots of assists. So of course he scores a goal and everybody litters the ice with red apples. So be it. And uh-huh. on the Ovechkin goal, you know, again, your, your personnel out there were Heischer, Sharon Govich, Severson, Siegenthaler, guys who have been mainstays of the penalty kill all season long. And again, Severson and Siegenthaler are guys that should know better what to do down low, and yet nobody is there. Uh-huh. I would argue that the goals that they did allow were 
definitely system. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Supported in that in that sense, like the devils were mostly trying to follow their systems, and the Capitals found ways to beat that. Which again mm-hmm. goes points to my larger complaint with the coaching staff and its inability to make the adjustments needed, whether it's to secure leads on the road or get yourself back into games. I mean, to the Devils' credit, you know they were pushing to try to get back into the game after the Ovechkin uh, PPG uh, to try to at least make something of it. But the Devils were. Um, you know, say what you want about Vitek Vanacek's uh, season, but he was in form. He did his job quite well. And the Devils, you know, at least pounded their way to the end. But uh, it's not good that we're at the point of the season where the MSG, even the MSG broadcast uh, is highlighting how many times the Devils lost the lead in a game. Oh, it my God. It's turned out it's the league <laughs> highest at 22. Oh, I love and- this. This is, this is the statistic. I was waiting for this because this is the uh, most games lost when scoring first. Oh, yeah. Most games lost when leading entering the third. Mm-hmm. And then something like, what was it, sixth most? Um, oh, I don't remember what it was. It wasn't first. I remember this. It was still a bad statistic, but it wasn't first at least. Right. But the larger point here is that, you know, it's not rocket science to do, you know, you know to, to win hockey games in a sense. Like, put yourself in good positions and see the games through. And yet you would think with this experienced coaching staff, they would teach the younger players and the more experienced players how to do that. And yet we have not seen that happen. Um, and this and to was that, another example of that happening. And it nearly happened again. Yes, exactly. Time. To that point, when they uh, returned home to face Montreal, God, I wish I had attended this because Montreal. Jack Hughes was a highlight machine that oh, day. Yeah. Uh, he was everywhere at the exact same time. In fact, I think he was so everywhere at the exact same time, he might have overthought things a bit in overtime uh, going for that hat trick. But oh, anytime everybody was trying to set that, him up for the hat trick. Oh, everybody. That's- everybody in the rink wanted him to get it. But um, still, he made up for even that by scoring and continuing the shootout in a uh, very cynical flip kind of way. But as you said, the Devils almost blew it again. In fact, oh. they did blow it. They let the game get tied against the 31st ranked team in the NHL. <sighs> so, so Dan, first and foremost, I do want to say that Sam Montembal played probably the best game of the season. Credit to him. <laughs> Dominic Hoshik <definitely>. again. <laughs> well, to be fair, the Devils haven't been goalied by no names this That's season. True. Like the two times it happened. Nico Dawes also goalied the other team to an extent he did that because if there's a frustration from this game is the fact that while Jack Hughes scores first, he scores a power play goal to make it two nothing. Okay. Josh Anderson makes it two to one. Hey, you're still going to the third period up two to one against the 31st place team in, in hockey here. So what do you do? Oh, you take a penalty. Oh, you know, Montreal's now storming the net. Oh, Montreal's, you know, really, really getting close to Nico Dawes here. It's like, Guys, you're doing literally all the wrong things to help yourself in this situation. And to Nico Dawes' credit, he stopped nearly everything. Like the expected goals against for this game was something like 3.8 or something like that. And, you know, he's holding Montreal to one goal up until uh, they they pull Montembeau for the extra skater. Steverson goes for the empty netter from long distance, misses so it's icing. Uh, Montreal wins the draw. The Devils are just out of sorts. And then... Christian Dvorak styles and profiles on uh, Graves with a uh, turnaround pass that finds a wide open Rem Pitlick at the other side of the net. He slams it in. It's now two to two within the final minute of regulation to the 31st place team in hockey. 
I wasn't happy there. I wasn't happy watching this on TV, Dan. Yep. Yeah. And then it worse in overtime. In overtime. Oh my God. So first oh, of all, the Devils oh. hit two posts in overtime, and so yes. did Montreal, except they hit both of theirs in the same shot. So the Devils again, you know, as you said, the Devils were trying really hard to give Jack Hughes the opportunity to get that hat trick, which you know, I get it. You know, he's already got two goals. He scored the only two goals against Montembeau all, all night. Let him have the puck. Fine. The, the, the attack is denied. Severson is, does the right thing to win, you know, catch up and win the puck. Under pressure, he decides for some inexplicable reason to try to backpass it all the way to Nico Dawes, two zones to his right. <laughs> not only does this pass not get there. Uh-huh. It's so short that Mike Hoffman takes it and goes in for the breakaway and he beats Dawes super clean to the point where I thought that's good. Only thankfully for the rest is go, we got to take a look at this because we're not so sure. And by miracle, Dan, mm-hmm. the puck hits both posts never <laughs> crossing the line. Yep. It would have been too unjust if uh, Hughes, Hughes' performance that day did not lead to a win. In and my it almost opinion. Didn't. And it almost didn't because when you even get to the shootout. Yes. Montreal. Uh, let me get the shootout uh, lineup here. You know, Tatar, for some inexplicable reason, goes first. I know statistically he's one of the better shootout takers on the Devils, but this was not his night. And mm-hmm. his his opportunity was easily saved by Montembeau. Cole Caulfield scores. So there, Montreal's up one nothing. Jesper Bratt scores. Beautiful. Rem, Lip, Rem Pitlick goes up. He scores. So now the Devils need Jack Hughes to score to continue the shootout, and he does. And then you need Nico Dawes to make a save on Nick Suzuki to keep the shootout going. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, Suzuki missed the net. And then we got to see Steven Severson completely fail get to po- poke get check. poke checked, right? Yeah. Christian Dvorak got stopped. Nico Heischer made a good move, but he got stopped. Joel Armia missed. And then Dougie scores. Mm-hmm. Dougie goes low and scores. And then Hoffman gets up and shows, hey, I can score on Dawson's breakaway <laughs> and, and did. And then thank, thankfully in round seven, Yegor Sharangovich, who didn't do a whole lot this evening, uh, smokes Montebal with a shot. Paul Byron goes up. He gets stopped. The Devils win their second shootout of the month, their third of the season, to beat the 31st place Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. The effort that it took to beat the 31st place Montreal Canadiens. But hey, a win's a win. Bad teams find ways to lose. And when that involves getting unlucky, <laughs> too, yeah. you know, we were out bad teamed. That's all that happened. <laughs> of one note, Dan, in that game, mm-hmm. the Montreal game was also a return of Miles Wood. Okay. I would expect a little more fanfare for that, but okay. I, I like. Yes, we're all very excited about this because probably if he had been around the whole year, things would have been a, a little bit better, right? He the would have been, would have been not a Mason Gearson level played, player. Yes, he would not play twenty games. Exactly, so that would have definitely been better. You know, Miles Wood was very all over the place that game, and I thought he oh, started yeah, he the game very, very well. I thought he had some good shifts early on, especially being gone for so long. But the end results were not that great. It was just kind of still getting his feet under him, so. I'm hesitant to be excited about this until, you know, I see a little bit more, but it is good to see the morale has shifted around him. I I think he's definitely someone who's well-liked in the locker room. So sure. A little too late now, but that's nice. And and for Wood's own sake, like he's, he's under, he, uh, 
he's out of contract after the season. So my fear for him was that he was going to miss so many games that maybe if he comes back for the final few weeks of the season, it's like, cool, you get six games, but what is that going to do with the negotiation table? Mm-hmm. Uh, now he could say he can get a full month of uh, hockey and, you know, knock on wood, he doesn't get injured again. He could say, I played 18 games. So you can get a sense of like, okay, this is what I have to offer now. Uh, this is what you should consider going forward. Now, that being said, um, I want to be somewhat nice to Wood because it was his first game back in literally five months. Yeah, oh yeah. But he wasn't very good, Dan. Uh, no. He took a high-sticking penalty against Joel Edmondson that was entirely avoidable, uh, which led to a five-on-three. I'm sorry, three-on-five situation when Siegenthaler got called for interference about a minute into that call. Uh, Wood basically showed that he's Miles Wood. He'll skate really fast in a straight line going forward defensively off the puck he's kind of not really helping mm-hmm. uh, opponents loved playing against them Montreal I think outshot the devil something like three to nine or something like that when Wood was out there it's like one of the worst uh, units but again it was his first game back so I'm sure he'll get his legs under him so to speak I'm sure there will be fans clamoring to uh, to rough to bring you know slot him in back in with Michael McLeod who's having an awful season and Nathan Bastion and um, hope that they can reignite some fire you can have a your BMW catchphrase line. Uh, they'll have one, two, maybe three good games. And then fans will be like, you got to keep them all. It's like getting blinded by the light here, but that's probably <laughs> the best case scenario here for wood. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of returns, by the way, that I'm not that jazzed about um, Yanni Kwakanen's coming back today against Boston. I, I don't know, man, he, Maybe it was the injury that was slowing him down significantly to start the season. And I'm willing to accept that, but he did not really, you know, he didn't really get me that excited for the future of him with this club. It just kind of felt like he was the odd man out in a lot of ways. You could argue that Yanni Kwakinen is the worst skater on this team. And that, and that even includes Geertsen and includes McLeod. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would argue Geertsen was worse just because he's literally a do nothing player. We also just Uh, got word that he's not in the lineup tonight anyway, Quackenden. So he's back off of IR. Right. That's the important thing. Mm -hmm. And Tice Thompson is also reactivated off of IR, but he's been sent to Utica straight away. So we'll see. We'll see what he does with the Comets, which is probably the most appropriate place for him. Yeah. And Uh, like all through last year, when people were excited about Yanni Quackenden, I kind of don't, I never really saw it. Maybe I was just missing something, but yeah. I don't know. I, think, I, I, I was kind of disappointed. You know, I was excited. It looked it looked to me that he, Sharon Govich, and Hughes were going to be a killer trio for this season. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out, Sharon Govich's a slow start showed that uh, if he ain't scoring, he's not doing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's trying. He's killing penalties. He's trying his best to uh, help out more defensively. To his credit, and Hughes is Hughes. You know, he the big deal is doing his thing. But Quackenden, I thought, was sort of like the guy, like kind of like the glue that helps those two guys stick together. You know, a guy that complements those two well enough to be very effective. When that didn't pan out um, early on, it quickly came apparent that Quackenden was really not meshing well with anybody. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Dan, I really do think that he's. And, and this season is disastrous for him. I would even argue worse than Ty Smith's mm-hmm. for second year players with the team. So I want to hope that Quackenden can one be a hundred percent. Cause we know that Lindy Ruff and hockey players in general 
Uh, they tend to come back too early sometimes from injury to their detriment. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kwakinen should um, hopefully show off in the same way I hope with Wood is that show off over the next month or so. You know, there's a month of games left. There's 15 games after tonight. You know, do your best and show that you're not just a dude who can barely hang at the NHL level. That's that's basically my hope. That's yeah, wow. that'd be nice. Uh, that'd be nice. Right now, Dan, yeah. there was a, one other bit of news involving the Devils, um, kind of. Uh, <laughs> it was announced by Cap Friendly during the Montreal game. It didn't get officially announced by the team until the day after. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Devils have joined the large group, the larger league movement of signing college free agents after their seasons are done. Uh, the Frozen Four is ongoing. Mm-hmm. Luke Hughes and Michigan are still in it. They're in the Frozen Four proper. Uh, he, Luke Hughes, unfortunately, is not a top three finalist for the Hobie Baker Award, but he's a top, he was a top 10 finalist. That's a lot mm-hmm. better than like 99.9% of the country. Well, as was this uh, guy that they just signed. And that's right. Thank you. Thank you for the segue. And the mm-hmm. guy, the Devils just signed another top 10 finalist. He wasn't a top three guy, but he you know, was a top 10 scorer in the country in Brian Halonen mm-hmm. of the Michigan Tech Huskies. Um, he is 23 years old. He shoots right. Uh, he was never drafted. He stands officially at six feet tall, 205 pounds. Uh, he, he was a pretty decent scorer for Michigan Tech for, from a freshman to junior year and then just had a glow up as a senior, putting up 21 goals, 23 assists for 44 points that tied him for eighth overall in scoring in the country. Uh, he was Michigan tech's top scorer by far. He was again, a top 10 finalist for the Hobie Baker award. His season, unfortunately did not end very well, Dan, in addition Mm -hmm. to Michigan tech getting eliminated. Uh, he himself got ejected from a hit from behind, uh, three, a little over three minutes into that game. So, Mm um, one could argue that was a bit of a harsh call, but nevertheless, um, not the greatest end, but since Michigan tech was eliminated, clearly the devils had their eyes on him. So they signed him to a max ELC contract that begins next season. Mm-hmm. Um, we shall see if he takes an ATO to go play a couple games with Utica. Uh, he can't join the comments for their, uh, for their uh, playoff series, but yep. he can at least get some pro games under his belt before hitting training camp proper uh, next fall. Yeah. So we'll see how, um, you know, he can kind of blend with everyone else and training camp next year should be uh, pretty interesting. There's some, it depends on what happens with the restricted free agents, really, to, to know how many spots are going to open up specifically. But there's definitely a big old spot opening up on defense. That's for sure happening. Oh, definitely. And the Devils clearly need winger help. So, you know, I'm more than OK with, you know, sign a top 10 in the country score, you know, at a college. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a little leery just because he went from being an OK college producer to a great college producer in his senior year. Those players you know, you know, they're hit or miss in terms of qu- actual quality, but I'd rather take a chance on a guy who uh, did as well as Halonen did. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what he brings to the table, but Fitz, I don't know. Fitz seems to have connections to the, at least the NCAA hockey world. I don't know how much in junior, um, but he's all over the NCAA. He's got plenty of, um, yeah plenty of connections there through his roots in Boston too. There's so many colleges that he could just see by going home. So um, not only that, but lots of NHL teams have been going down this route. And um, Casey was just in college too, right? Um, I want to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I but think I mean, he played it, college, but I'm not positive about that either way. 
he's in tune with the college game and it's it's not a bad time to see who you can throw at Utica because with how well that team has played there's a good chance that a lot of those guys might take the spots of some of the current devils well that's kind of the hope here yeah I mean you know I know one of the coping mechanisms since the last episode is that ah you know John the devil's you know, they're, they're high in future watch. They got all these prospects. Look how strong the pool is. And it's like, yes, I know the pool is strong, but, you know, it's got to turn into players. It's got to turn into NHL talent. It's got to lead to wins down the line uh, for the, for any of this to matter. And unfortunately, it's got to happen, I, I want to say, for some of these guys in Utica sooner rather than later, because you start looking down the list here, Fabian Zetterlund, he's 22. Arn Talvite, he's 23. Nolan Foote is 21. Um, and already had a taste of the league. AJ Greer, who the Devils did call up for a couple of these games that we just discussed, is 25. Um, same for the defense, where, yeah, it's still a young defense, but it's a little concerning that a 22-year-old Riley Walsh didn't get a call up, but 21-year-old Kevin Ball did. Uh, the harsh reality here, Dan, is that these guys are not getting any younger here. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, as you get closer to 23, 24 years old, they stop becoming developing players and start becoming, well, what you see is what you get out of these guys. Very rarely do you find a Blake Coleman style late bloomer here. Um, and I, and I get it. Some positions do develop a little longer than others and some roles d- develop a little longer than others and look no further than Pittsburgh for sometimes a guy just needs an opportunity and, and, and the perfect role to, uh, to flourish and turn into the next Mark Donk or uh Flip visit or whatever stupid name Dom Lashishin comes up with. Like, who are these guys? How come Lim- they have 20 goals already? I'm it's pretty like, sure Limp Biscuit was a mid 2000s um, metal band. So I don't know what you're talking about, John. The point, the point, the point is, <laughs> is that teams like Pittsburgh, they scour places that you and I aren't going to hear of. Most people aren't going to hear of, but they do a lot of their homework to find guys that fit their system mm-hmm. and, and fill it right, right. Correctly. The hope here is that some of these guys in Utica could do the same thing here. Um, the question is, is Fitzgerald going to make help make the space for them? Or is it going to be a case of they're going to have to somehow get an opportunity and hope and pray that the powers that be are willing to give them that opportunity when it comes up? Because again, it's a little, it's a little concerning to me that, you know, after the deadline, the two call-ups were Kevin Ball and Adrian Greer and not say Utica's top scorer, Fabian Zetterlund, or again, Riley Walsh, Riley a guy Walsh. that you, you and I may be going, Oh, he, he could have a future in this league. And it's like, he has yet to play an NHL game yet. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see uh, who gets, you know, the devils are, I think one flat out loss away from elimination. Is that right? I think they, they have a track. Regu- yeah. Yes. If they lose in regulation tonight to Boston, they are officially eliminated from the playoffs. And folks, before you get too hopeful, if Washington gets a point, it's over. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't let's let's not hold our breath here. But maybe once they're officially eliminated, so they can stop pretending there's any semblance of hope whatsoever, um, like officially, then they'll start calling people up for auditions towards the end of the year as the Devils play out the string. But again, Brat made the most of his opportunity in training camp, as did Dawson Mercer. We really want to see Holtz performing next year. We really want to see potentially, don't know if he'll come straight to the NHL, but Luke Hughes, someone that is worth getting excited about, but these players have to stand out at training camp. They have to make an impression or else they risk getting caught behind. Exactly. And again, you can win all the hockey future, uh, you know, posts in your name. You can win the future watch uh, covers as much as you want, but it's got to translate to actual results on the ice. Yeah. That's that's the whole purpose of all this here. And awesome, the, and the Scott Wheeler. Thanks for your prospect rankings. My team won 25 games out of 82 this year. 
exactly. real valuable. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and by the way, that's unfortunately still a possibility because the devils only have 24 as of this recording. Oh my God. Don't put that evil out in there in the world. Okay. Okay. Let me quickly go over what's coming up next. Cause uh, we have a lot of hockey very soon. Yeah. Quickly, quickly. Right. Devils have Boston tonight. They have Florida to start a four game homestand at 1230 PM on Saturday. The second, they have the Islanders at 4 PM on the third. So you got a weekend afternoon set. Our hated rivals come back on the fifth. I hope the Devils win that game by 12. Uh Then the homestand ends against Montreal on the seventh. So hopefully the Devils don't need a shootout to go seven rounds to beat them. And then you get a five game roadie into Dallas, Arizona, Colorado, Seattle, and Vegas. And then you're into the final six games of the season. Please Devils win a road game. You literally have not done it for a month now. If they bagel that road trip, things are desolate. But anyway, things are pretty desolate. (laughs) No, no, but they're more, even more desolate than they could. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Um, that's true. Because that speaks to even more problems that we didn't even know that they had in terms of mental toughness and being on the road and traveling. But anyway, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that when it's relevant. But as usual, thank you all for listening. We appreciate the time. Hopefully, the Devils get a big win today in Boston. Um, But if they don't, you know what? improve the draft positioning as usual that's the mantra i suppose so we'll catch you on the next episode of the garden state of hockey and as always let's go devils, go devils.